Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour. This is episode 105 of the Canadians Connection podcast. And uh, as always, I'm pleased to be joined in studio by my co host, uh, the founder, the president, the editor in chief of Rocket Sports Media, Rick Stevens. Rick, how are you doing today? What a week. What, yeah, a week what a week this has been. Yeah. Um, talk about compressed hockey schedules uh, coming up for next. <laughs> this is a compressed off-season schedule. My goodness, we've had a lot of activity. Um, as I said to you uh, sometime during the week that, uh, uh-oh, this podcast is going to be about four hours long to get yeah. everything in. <laughs> and uh, you are and coming it's not. off I, of... Yeah. I, I, should, I, should, I yeah. should tell people, I should reassure them <laughs> that, uh, no, we're going to try and stick to our, our yeah. time here. Yeah, we, we will try to do and, and we want to because you and you've done uh, phenomenal work this week having hosted two podcasts already alongside our wonderful friend and colleague Amy Johnson mm-hmm. doing a post a pre and post draft episode of the press zone so we want to make sure we get you out of here before your voice starts to go <laughs> that's right and and run out of things to say because you know how yeah. easy that is for me running out of things to say <laughs> well listen hey We're not going to have a four-hour episode, you are right, so we're going to try to compress it down to uh, the essentials of what needs to be said, because as we were talking about before the show, there's some things that we are going to just have to touch on that Mm -hmm. could you could expand into much larger conversations, but we have just too much to get to, uh, to waste much time today. Uh, so Rick. And, and we will, we will expand on these as we were talking about pre-show. We will, um, there are some big issues here that we will revisit in, uh, upcoming, uh, episodes. It is the, the off season, uh, now for, for, uh, all of the NHL, uh, yeah. And that will carry on till uh, January, I guess, with pro- probably training camps in December. But we're going to—we're not going anywhere. Uh, no. We didn't go anywhere during the pandemic. We're not going anywhere now. We'll be here every single week, uh, bringing you the stories that uh, you need to know about the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, and and like I said, there's just there's a lot of depth to some of these stories, some of these news items that we're going to touch on very briefly today. So they might be they they almost assuredly will be revisited at a later date. But Rick, uh, I, I suppose we should get this show on the road uh, mm-hmm. because yeah, we do have a lot to get to. We're going to be getting to the draft in segment two. We're going to be reviewing how the Canadians did, who they selected with their picks, and uh, and as I said, uh, you and Amy Johnson did a phenomenal job. And 
in the post-draft episode of uh, going down the line, uh, but we are also going to do that here and look at each of the selections and uh, say how we thought the Canadians did. Um, but before we get there, we do have some news items to get to. So sort of do this in chronological order. There are some things that we're going to save to the end. But before we uh, before we get to uh, the big news of the week, we'll start with how the Canadians started their week. And that was by qualifying restricted free agents Max Domi, Charles Houdon, Victor Mete, Xavier Roulette, and Noah Juleson. So not, not very surprising there. You did see in the NHL players go unqualified go to ufa um, eligibility anthony duclair in ottawa that was it was a major one um but the montreal canadians uh, no real surprise there in, in qualifying those restricted free agents just three players that they uh elected not to did, qualify yeah. uh, and and we talked about those on the press zone and they will go for to unrestricted free agency and um all but one of those players that you mentioned um, with a contract now, just Char- uh, Charles Houdon, uh, who has not yeah. yet been signed. Um, but we'll, we'll tell you, we'll tell you more about that as we go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yes, there was, there was that. And then Rick, there was the Montreal Canadians, uh, placing Carl Alsner on unconditional waivers for the purpose of buying buying out the remaining two years of his contract. So we were asked this question whether or not we would see a buyout of Carl Alsner a couple of weeks back. And we thought maybe the price would just be a little bit too much for the Montreal Canadiens, maybe a little bit too severe of a price to pay to buy out Carl Alsner. But ultimately, they decide to do that. And, I mean, it's, it's the end of, um, you know, uh, what was... Um, unfortunately, a contract that did not work out for the Montreal Canadiens. But Carl Olsner, I, I mean, this is something that he's wanted to be let go, to be given an opportunity to, to play in the NHL once again. And uh, I mean, he's been he's been fantastic. And you and Amy touched on that on the press zone. He's just been a, a great pro. He has been. Um, he's he's been such a mentor uh, to to the the younger defensemen, and uh, and they have benefited benefited from his. Uh, experience um and his guidance uh, both on and off the ice um we 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 answered that question kind of trepidly thinking that uh it was going to be too expensive to buy him out and and uh the equation is is interesting because it costs the canadians more to buy him out this season uh 3.96 million dollars is going to be on the cap it would have been cheaper uh, to send him down to Laval again, uh, about a half a million dollars cheaper. Uh, but um, the 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 difference is next year, and we know that there's there's probably going to be a cap crunch with a lot of unrestricted free agents to sign next season. So um, almost four million dollars off the cap. That that being dead money uh, this year, close to two million. Uh, next year, and then um, a million uh, approximately. Uh, it's eight hundred thirty-three thousand yeah. the following two seasons. So, um, yeah, we we wish uh, Carl Osner well. Um, you know, he he knew that uh, that uh, uh, there might be an opportunity. He sold his house earlier uh, in the year, yeah. um, and uh, so. Uh, we I, I, we can't say enough good things about him, and I hope he lands on his feet somewhere in the NHL. Yeah, and <laughs> sorry, uh, yeah, and and you and Amy Johnson got into the specifics, and we've touched on it 
a handful of times why things did not work out for Carl Alsner. It had to do with Claude Julien. It had to do with J.J. Daigneau as well. Um, but ultimately, I mean, you knew what you had in Carl Alsner when he came here in, tw- in the offseason of 2017. And I think even if things didn't work out in that first year, and they didn't, um, you had to find a way to find value in that contract. And knowing who Carl Alsner was, you had to find value in that. And we go back to the 2018-19 season, the beginning of that year, and you have Jordy Ben, who did not have a good training camp, who made the team over Carl Alsner, when Carl Alsner actually looked pretty good. He, he came did, back yeah. in better shape. He looked good. You thought that maybe this was going to be a turnaround year for him. And unfortunately, he just wasn't given that opportunity. He wasn't in the good books of the coach. And unfortunately, that's how the the thing, uh, how everything played out for him. But yeah, as you said, a great mentor to the younger players uh, in Laval. And now he gets an opportunity, hopefully, uh, to play in the NHL once again. I think that the thing that bothers me most is uh, if these players are not going to work out, uh, then um, t- find another opportunity for them, even if it, it seems that, that in Olsner's case, uh, Bergevin didn't want to trade him, didn't want to take back, uh, 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 you know, perhaps uh, less than value trade because uh, the way it would look on him making this big free yeah. agent signing. And we've seen it over and over and over again that the Canadians drive down the value of their own players, whether it's Alsner or Galchenyuk or Pacioretty or Sherback, they they drive down their value before the trade, and then there's difficulty trading them, uh, and and um, it's it's a bit of a surprise. So um, I, it's 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 a, a re- repetitive pattern, and and hopefully it's happened for the last time. Yeah, uh, you'd certainly hope so, given the fact uh, the Montreal Canadiens doled out a big contract this week. But we're gonna we'll get to that later. Uh, <laughs> that's a bit of a tease. Uh, but Rick, you mentioned that all but one of the players the Canadians qualified this week have signed contracts, uh, and the Montreal Canadiens on the back end uh, with with uh, three signings uh, this week. You had. Noah Juleson, who signed a one-year two-way contract that is worth uh, 700000 in the NHL. And I think that one is a very important one, at least when I was looking at this, because uh, obviously they gave him the two-way contract because, I mean, you, you want to give him the opportunity to get right and, and condition properly if he still needs to do that. But if you look back to what he was about to become in 2018-19, if you can find that form again, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a big piece back in the puzzle for the Montreal Canadiens. Well, even Trevor Timmons this week talked about Noah Juleson and how he yeah. was tracking. You know, he was picked up in the as a, a first round pick, late first round pick in the 2015 entry draft, and and then just got really sidelined by injuries. And um, if if he can uh, get back on track, if he's if he's fully healthy, uh, if he's fully confident. Uh, being a right-handed defenseman, he could be a, a, a big piece for the Canadians and an answer to some uh, some of their issues. Yeah, and I mean, he was emerging in the absence of Shea Weber uh, behind Jeff Petrie at the beginning of that 2018-19 season. And unfortunately, yeah, just um, injuries slowing him down. But uh, yeah, if he can find that form, that'd be huge. Another guy signing, uh, Victor Mete, a one-year contract worth 735000 Uh, So you get him back in the fold as well. And I mean, the Montreal Canadiens, I think, 
you're starting to see it. And we talked about this a little bit earlier, starting to see a bit of a, of a log jam with respect to some of these defensemen, because you had a lot of good defensemen on this team and, and some that might not be playing every night that might be in and out of the lineup. And, and that might be the case for Victor Matze with Brett Kulak also there. That's right. Um, it, it maybe there's a piece there for, uh, Mark Bergevin to move, whether it's uh, yeah. Meta or whether it's uh, whether it's uh, Kulak, um, we'll see. It would be certainly uh, uh, Kulak would. Uh, there's more opportunity to free up some salary if he's looking at other moves. But uh, um, again, it's kind of one of those make or break. It's just a, a one-year contract for Victor, and and it's kind of a make or break uh, opportunity for him. Uh, you'd have to think. Yeah, and I mean, we saw him in the playoffs, and he was playing primarily with another guy that we're going to talk about right now, which is Xavier Ouellette, who was signed to a two-year, two-way deal. So you get Ouellette back in the fold, the guy that wore the captain's C down in Laval as well. So he is back uh, for another year. But yeah, as we say, we have Juleson signing and Mete signing. You have Xavier Ouellette back in the fold, um, and, and you would expect that he would probably see more time in the AHL but I mean we didn't think that he'd be playing all the games that he played in the playoffs so who really knows <laughs> yeah he 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 went uh, well he was very inconsistent in the playoffs there were some games he looked lost swimming all over the place um, you know I, I guess it's not a surprise they they like him in Lavelle um, he is uh, he's their captain um, uh, Joel Bouchard loves him and, and uh, um, you know, funnels a lot of the, the uh, uh, instructions through him. And, and uh, so they're a little bit more palatable to, to the team. And, and, uh, but the two-year two thing, uh, the two-year term uh, kind of surprised me a bit. Because um, yeah. he's one of those players that's only there as a placeholder. And uh, you want to make sure that there's room for, uh, even if he goes back to Lavelle, you want to make sure that there's room for Kale Fleury and for Josh Brook, uh, for Noah Juleson if he starts down there. And, and uh, you know, even uh, Leskinen and, and Olofsson uh, to yeah. get the minutes that they need uh, because you know that, that uh, Joel Bouchard likes to, to use uh, Willette on the power play. And, and sticking with the AHL, uh, the Montreal Canadiens also signed Brandon Baddock to a one-year, two-way deal. Uh, he spent the last three seasons uh, with Bing, Binghamton in the AHL. So a uh, guy that he's a tough, he's a tough customer. He Brandon is. Baddock. Oh, he is. <laughs> Uh, and uh, just this January, we saw him uh, in the AHL against Michael Pozzetta, and and they had quite a tussle. Uh, Baddock is is uh, he's a su- substantial guy, um, and yeah. and uh, my it's Brandon Baddock, uh, and my memory started to work, and it was uh, the first uh, preseason game in 2018, uh, September 17th at the Bell Center. Uh, the Canadians versus the New Jersey Devils, and it happened to be the f- right. the very first game for Jesper Kotkaniemi in a in a Habs jersey. Um, he was centering the second line at the time. Uh, his line mates were on the right side, Arturi uh, um, uh, Lekkinen, Arturi Lekkinen, sorry Arturi, um, <laughs> and on the left side uh, to make sure there was no nonsense, Nicholas Delorier. Um, just, just, just for interest's sake, Carl Olsner happened to be on the top pair, uh, left top yeah. pairing left defenseman in that game. 
So there was about four minutes left in in the the first period, and uh, uh, Brandon Baddock uh, for the New Jersey Devils dropped the gloves with uh, Nicholas Delorier. Um, not a surprise in a preseason no. game, uh, but uh, Baddock put Delorier out for a month. Uh, right. Uh, Delore had uh, a facial fracture that required surgery, and he didn't get back into action until the end of uh, October. So uh, Nicholas Delore certainly remembers Brandon, <laughs> Brandon Baddock. Yeah. I, I was trying. I thought that it was because of uh, when I covered Belleville that I remembered the name Brandon Baddock. But now you've said that. That's, that's, that's gotten my memory serving, uh, serving me a little bit better. Yeah, uh, Nicholas Delore will not forget Brandon Baddock's name. That is for sure. Uh, so, but he's in the fold now. He's he's going to be playing in uh, most likely in uh, Laval next year. That's right. Uh, but Rick, we had the big news item of the week, uh, which was the Montreal Canadiens trading Max Domi and a third round pick, which is the seventy eighth overall pick, uh, to Columbus for Josh Anderson. And uh, this was a move that has been met with criticism. Um, people not a fan of this move, which would you, you would expect given uh, Max Domi being a fan favorite um, and a guy that scored over 70 points a couple of years ago for a guy coming off of a down year, um, but may, mainly because it was injury riddled um, in Josh Anderson. But uh, Rick, this has been met with criticism and um, you would say, I think it's worked out in the past well for Mark Bergevin when the moves that he makes are met with that type of criticism that we saw when he traded Max Toby. It kind of reminded me of, of picking up Shea Weber for P.K. Subban a little bit. <laughs> well, yes, certainly Max Domi is beloved, uh, maybe not to the same degree as as Subban, but um, but beloved. And uh, it's it's uh, it's it's we saw that reaction uh, for the most part is, is, uh, no, not Max. And, and, and Max is, uh, you know, he embraced his time in Montreal. He, uh, excelled. Uh, we saw, um, uh, that season, the 70 point season that, you know, now seems kind of like an outlier. Um, yeah. we saw Max's conversion. Uh, he came to Montreal as a winger and he was, uh, with the Canadians, uh, desperate need for a center. He was converted to a center and then didn't want to give up the, the, yeah. the center position uh, when he was, uh, you know, needed at wing. Uh, so um, that caused a bit of a flurry. And, you know, I mentioned earlier that, uh, that the Canadians tend to drive the value of their players down before trading them. And I purposely left Domi off the list, but you can easily include him there yeah. because... Yeah. You should be able to make a, an argument that uh, the Canadians received Josh Anderson and a third-round pick uh, for Max Domi. But it, as it turned out, it was completely the opposite. The Canadians had to send a third-round pick along with Domi in order to uh, pick up Josh Anderson. And and that's nothing against Josh, Josh Anderson, but when you look at, at where he was drafted and and, uh, and, and his kind of pedigree, uh, you think that, uh, that it might have worked out that way, especially coming off that, uh, that, that injury-riddled season uh, for him. Um, but don't ask... Um, don't ask Josh Anderson if he's feeling the effects of the injury, because he's going to yeah. set he's going to set you straight. And we're going to play yeah. out, play some audio in a, in a little bit. 
He's pretty adamant about that. Uh, the one thing that I'll say is, I mean, the thing that I would say to anybody that is wondering why the Montreal Canadiens made this deal, and listen, I've, I've been long, I, ever since Montreal picked him up, I have been sort of wondering if this is the max, if that 70-point max Domi, even in the midst of that 70-point season, I was wondering if this was the real Max mm-hmm. Domi or if he was riding some sort of wave of excitement and that led to production and then the production just kept on going and it was just at the end of the season where he just sort of looked back it was like wow that was a good season and then he sort of rested on his laurels a little bit that, I, I thought that that might have been possible but the reason why I think this is a good move for the Montreal Canadiens is Max Domi in his first year in the NHL finished six in Calder voting had a really good rookie season. He followed up that with two less than two subpar seasons in Arizona, which led to him getting traded here to Montreal. Has 70 points. It's a great year. Great first impression. Follows that up with 44 points. And he's not quite if he if he finishes out that season, if there's 10 more games left, he might get to 50 mid 50s but he would have to produce at a point per game rate yeah. and he wasn't doing that to get to mid 50s. The thing about this is, is that Max Domi has always been a guy that's made a good first impression. And then what happens? Because, listen, if I go to a job interview and I make a great first impression, it doesn't matter because all that I'm going to get is a second interview. And if I don't live up to that first impression in the second one, I'm not going to get the job. And Max Domi made a great first impression, no doubt about it. But then he let you down a little bit. Yeah. When scoreless in nine out of ten games in the bubble, he's, he picked up three assists. They're all in the same game all in the same game against Philadelphia that the Montreal Canadiens won handily. They, they, they won that game 5 nothing, and he had three assists, which is great, but you didn't see anything else from Max Domi in the bubble. Josh Anderson, on the other hand, has been, before this past year, which he had a shoulder problem, and, he, and he's going to touch on that when we play audio in a minute, um, before this past season, You've seen steady improvement in goal production from him. And that is something the Montreal Canadiens need. They need goal scoring. They, they do. Max Domi is not a nat. He's, he, he's more of a playmaker than a, a goal scorer. And that's, that's not outlandish to suggest. Yeah, 28 goals, but that's not who he is. Josh Anderson goes 17 goals, 19 goals, 27 goals. There was steady growth and improvement that took place with Josh Anderson, which is why I think you make that deal nine... I mean, 10 out of 10 times, I think I make that deal just because mm-hmm. I think you're getting a, a better overall player and something that you don't, something that did not exist on the Montreal Canadiens before this trade. They had a lot of Max Domies. They needed a Josh Anderson and they got it. So I think, I think that's a good deal, even if you have to give up the third. But uh, Rick, as you said, and as we both discussed, there was the... Uh, the aftermath of this trade where we heard from both players and that's why we're bringing up our favorite segment on this podcast they said and, what and just before we get to that i should yeah. say, we should uh cover the 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 there was not only yeah. the trade but there was the signing uh aspect of it yes and what was interesting for me was was the 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 difference in the way the teams uh approached this and um i th- i think it's fair to say that there was a there was a reason that Josh Anderson was on the trade market. There's a reason yep. that Max Domi was on the trade market. There's risk associated with with both players. Uh, now it's 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 uh, the the risk is different is completely different. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, Mark Bergevin is jumping in with both feet and uh, five and a half million 
uh, for seven years. The seven-year term is what uh, uh, Josh Anderson was hoping for in Columbus, but they weren't willing to give him, given his injury risk. Um, in Montreal, uh, they weren't willing to give Montreal uh, give Max Domi a, a long-term contract. That was that's been leaked out for a long yeah. time. And it seems that Columbus, uh, given the unknowns with Domi, wasn't wasn't willing to uh, give him a long term deal. It's settling on a on a two year deal for him. So um, I I just think that that whole aspect is is rather interesting. The way that that the two teams approached it uh, completely differently. Yeah, and I mean when you look at that contract for Josh Anderson, the AAV. Man, I'm perfectly fine with the AAV. I'm fine with 5.5 million over, mm-hmm. you know, uh, whatever, you know, I, I was expecting it. I wasn't expecting it to be seven years is what I'm getting at. Um, I'm fine with it being seven years, but I was expecting something more in the, you know, probably the five year range. If that was what was, if that's what Montreal was intending to do, obviously Josh Anderson uh, wanted that a little bit more stability, but yeah, it's interesting that, and then on the opposite end, you had Columbus that signed Max Domi that two-year contract worth just over $10 million. And yeah, I mean, it, it's justifiable for the Montreal Canadiens that they would be more willing to spend this money and this term on Josh Anderson than they would have been for Max Domi, given their roster construction right now. They needed a guy like Josh Anderson, and Josh Anderson for seven years, if he can find this form, that form that he had, that you saw the steady growth each year in terms of his production, if he can get back on that, and, and unfortunately you never know with injuries, but if he can do that, then I think the Montreal Canadiens have got a really good deal here because that AAV, that is that is nice five and a half million mm-hmm. if he can if he can find that form again. So, um, but yeah, Rick, as I said uh, just a little bit too early, we're getting Go into ahead. they said what, which is our favorite segment here on this podcast, and it's going to be the Domi and Anderson edition. We'll start off with Max Domi, the party that is leaving the Montreal Canadiens organization. So he spoke about being traded to Columbus. Yeah, I'm a Blue Jacket now, and I couldn't be more excited going to a team that obviously wants me and. Um, obviously they're doing great and that's a cup contending team. They got a lot of depth. Um, they're well coached and uh, I know what to expect. I know, I know exactly how hard it is to play against Columbus and how hard it is to play at nationwide arena. So to be on the other, on the other end of that is something I'm really looking forward to. Yeah. Torts called me, uh, pretty much right away. Uh, spoke with Yarmo. They're both very excited, uh, as am I. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been a fan of Torts for sure. Uh, I know he's, uh, he's a guy that holds his, holds his players accountable. He's very intense and he wants to win. And uh, that's how I was raised too. So I'm looking forward to, to learning from a guy like that every single day. And as a coach, when when you're uh, you say it the way it is, and there's no there's no mind games or anything like that, you know what you're getting. And uh, if you're not playing well, he'll let you know. And if you're playing good, he'll reward you. So um, that's all you can really ask of a player. And, and something that I'm looking forward to. It's going to be uh, going to be a nice challenge, tough camp. You know, he uh, he puts the boys uh, through a tough one, and then I'm looking forward to that challenge as well. So I'm trying to get in the shape, uh, best shape as I possibly can. I'll be ready to go. That's for sure. Uh, it's great. I mean, listen, playing the NHL is playing the NHL, Craig. As you know, it's it's an honor, it's a privilege, and it's the best league in the world. So I don't really care where I where I play, uh, west or east, but it's definitely uh, beneficial for me to be in the east. And, and Columbus is, is a cup-contending team, so to go to a team like that that's ready to win now is uh, is exciting. And um, I definitely am looking forward to being a part of that and helping out any way I can. So um, knowing where I stand in the lineup, what position I'll be playing, going uh, into a place where I'll be helping on the power play is something uh, I'm really looking forward to. And I haven't had that in the past, so. 
it's 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 a, it's a cool feeling, and um, definitely it's, it's something when whenever you get traded, you always have that kind of that burr and that that uh, okay, I'll prove you wrong kind of thing. So um, it's something I actually enjoy that feeling, and I'm I'm excited for it, and and we'll make the most of it here. That's for sure. Now I listened to this clip a dozen times, and. Um, yeah, you kind of have to slow it down. You know, Max yeah. Domi, he speaks quickly. He's a polished speaker, uh, that com- and, and he's, a, he's a yapper. That comes from Ty. Um, <laughs> but he said so much in there, and um, you have to read a little bit between the lines. But we've learned to yeah. do that with, with Max. We, we know that he's, he means uh, there's, there's intention with everything he said. Um, so just to, to kind of recap, um, he's going to a team that wants him. Uh, so the obvious that he's saying he feels that the Canadians didn't want him, and maybe that has to do with being on the fourth line. He said, I'm going to a team that's well coached. Yeah. That's a dig at, that's a blatant dig at Claude Julian. We know we, they didn't uh, get along at all. He talked about going to a cup contending team. Um, and, and so he's feeling that the Canadians, and he he talked about a win now team, which, uh, apparently he doesn't feel, um, that the, uh, the Canadians are, there was lots of people, including myself, wondering how he would get along with, uh, John Tortorella. And he said, he's a fan of torts. And he added, the reason he is, is that coach doesn't play mind games. Mm -hmm. Uh, again, a dig at, at Julian. He, he offered something else, saying that if you play well under Torch, you're going to be rewarded, insinuating, again, that that wasn't the case in Montreal. And if you, if you didn't get any of those clues, he wanted to, to reinforce it at the end, saying that um, knowing where he stands, knowing his position on the team, um, is something he has never had before. Taking shots at both yep. the Canadians and, and Arizona. And some power play time as well, which I, right. I think that that was, I mean, I don't know where exactly that's coming from. Maybe the playoffs, but I mean, he's he's been consistently given playing time. I, I, okay, but regardless, I think if you listen to that clip 10 times, you'll probably find a different veiled criticism each time. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so that's just, that's, that's how Max Domi is, and that's understandable. Um, the one thing I will say, if I was a betting man, I would say that Max Domi is going to have a great season in his first year in Columbus and then follow it up with probably not a great season. <laughs> he's going to just kind of, yeah, he's going to, uh, uh, play to that cannon, uh, and play to those home fans. Uh, no question. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think that Columbus actually makes off pretty good in this trade with Max Domi. Um, there, there's times that, uh, that, you know, I, I've been critical of Max Domi, but I think that this is a good fit for him, and hopefully things work out with Tortorella. I don't honestly know if that's actually going to be an effective <laughs> pairing, but we'll see. Uh, so on the opposite end, we have Josh Anderson coming back the other way, and he's providing something for the Montreal Canadiens that they needed. Um, but he spoke about the deal that he came to with the Montreal Canadiens. Well, first off, uh, I'm absolutely thrilled to be uh, in Montreal for the next seven years. I couldn't be happier. Um, I think uh, in my situation, uh, it was a no-brainer to sign an extension like that with uh, the Canadians because um, I think they're on the right path and they have so many key pieces and, uh, and, and having success. 
So I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of the winning culture, and um, I'm very excited for uh, the new opportunity. Well, I just want to make something really clear right now, and um, I am 100% recovered. I, I feel I feel healthy. I feel strong. Um, I'm I'm ready to go. Um, obviously, last year uh, it was a, it was a tough year for injuries, being hurt uh, a couple times um, with the shoulder, uh, and uh, I should have never came back early. But uh, I just wanted to be out there with my teammates and, and help them out. But looking back at it now, I don't think that was a good idea in, in the long run. Um, but going forward, I mean, I've I've told many people this. I've never been more confident in myself as a player where I am at right now. I'm, I'm healthy, which is which is great. That's what you want. Um, and I know I know what I bring to the table. I know what I've done in this league. I'm looking forward to just coming out and, and doing what I can to do to win and and help the team be successful. I'm, I'm not going to change anything just because I had uh, shoulder surgery. I'm not going to be less physical. You know what I mean? So um, I'm going to still play my, my type of game, and um, I'm looking forward to it. It's crazy to look at it now, but I, I was thankful to be playing in London with such a great organization. Started out my career there, um, and was taught the right way to play the game um, under Dale Hunter and, and Mark Hunter, who, who formed me into the player that I am now. And then getting that opportunity uh, to play in the NHL with Columbus, um, and then now it's just. Uh, signing a seven-year deal with, with Montreal. I mean, you can't write this up. It's it's very exciting. Um, I couldn't be more happier, and, and I'm, I'm just looking forward to the new opportunity. So a little bit more understated, uh, but there's still yeah. a lot in there as well. Uh, he's happy, thrilled to be with Montreal. Um, he calls the, the contract a, a, a no-brainer. Obviously, he was looking for the term, and... and uh, um, you know, he talked about maybe he would be interested in a in a short term and then testing free agency, but I think he prefers the uh, the security. That that certainly sounds like that. And for a player who's had some injury issues, uh, you can understand why he'd be uh, pursuing that. But as far as the injury, and uh, if you were at, if you were wondering, Joseph, uh, he made it very clear. Yeah, L- let he... me make something really clear. I'm a hundred percent recovered. <laughs> The tone of voice just completely changed when he was cut when he was talking about that injury. So I think that yeah. you know that this is somebody that's coming back with something to prove, and that uh, and he would have been able to play if Columbus had advanced further in the playoffs. That should be noted as well. So that's uh, you listen. I think if the Montreal Canadiens, if they're getting a healthy Josh Anderson, that brings an element that they did not previously have. Um, so I think that this is a trade that uh, that makes a lot of sense, and it's a contract. As I said, seven years is a commitment, but five and a half million i mean that is that is a pretty good price to pay if you can get josh anderson producing at the level that we've we've seen that he can and now we're you know we're going to be talking about uh, draftees in the in the next segment and it's important to to see how um uh, players develop and uh i included that piece about uh uh, the London yep. Knights, and and of course that's where he he met Max Domi. Uh, but he talked uh, and credited the 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 Hunter brothers, Dale and Mark, about uh, uh, and and said that's where he learned to play the right way. And they were the ones who formed him into the uh, player rather with a rather unique set of skills that that he is today. Yeah. So I mean. It's really interesting, and we're going to touch on a lot of these guys that the Montreal Canadiens drafted earlier this week uh, 
in a couple of moments. Uh, so, Rick, we'll take our first break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. When we come back, we're going to talk about the NHL draft. Stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Joela19. You can follow Rick at All Habs. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. Uh, Rick, as is uh, customary, usually around June, uh, July 1st, uh, you're checking Twitter, scrolling through Twitter to see mm-hmm. if there's any any signings going on. And we should note that uh, before we get into the draft and, and how all that played out, we'll touch on some things that have happened since then that started with free agency yesterday. Um, I think the one thing that's really of note, uh, if you're a Montreal Canadiens fan, was that the Montreal Canadiens were in on Wayne Simmons, offered him more money than the Toronto Maple Leafs, as according to Pierre Lebrun. Uh, but ultimately, uh, going with his hometown team, team in Toronto uh, but it's also interesting that Wayne Simmons did not root for the Leafs even though he's from Scarborough Ontario he rooted for the Detroit Red Wings so uh, <laughs> he said that that probably wasn't going to be the most popular thing that he said that day uh, but yeah that's that's of note if you're the if, if you're a fan of the Montreal Canadiens I like that move for the Leafs um, but I think yeah you, you kind of see that maybe the fit wasn't really great in Montreal given they just acquired Josh Anderson have Gallagher Armia it just it didn't seem like a natural fit so maybe a good thing that they finished second place on that <laughs> well and and yeah uh, during his uh, it was a 2:30 um, uh, press conference by Mark Bergevin it kind of signaled to, to all of us that he was done for the day although uh, nothing much had happened uh, in on on Wayne Simmons and and admitted that they had offered more um, uh, apparently around two million uh, close to two million a season. Probably uh, a bullet dodge there. 
Um, yeah. Wayne Simmons, uh, even at his peak ability, was a very streaky player. You look at, uh, and 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 Mark Bergevin has been in pursuit of him for a number of years. I remember talking about this in the 2017-18 season uh, with some of the beat reporters in in Philadelphia, and uh, that was the season that. Uh, for the the Flyers, he had uh, 24 goals, and and even that season, he went a month, uh, even scoring 24 goals, he went a month w- without scoring a goal, and they said uh, the the beat reporters did uh, that he extremely streaky person a player, and since then, uh, you think that um, you know he's he's been on the decline, only eight goals last year for the Devils, uh, so maybe that's uh, that's a, a bullet dodged. Um, another player uh, that you and I both like is Alexander Winberg, yeah. and uh, a nice uh, pickup there, I thought, uh, by uh, Bill Zito in Florida. Yeah, I think that, I mean, and people have touched on the connection between Zito and Columbus. Uh, I mean, Wenberg is a guy that scored 59, had 59 points at an earlier point in his career as a 22-year-old. So, I mean, there's more offense there. I, I truly believe that. So a good pickup. I, I honestly, until he was bought out, I didn't know he was making the money that he was making. Uh, just was it 4.9 million, just shy of 5 million per so a, a little bit lesser of a cap hit. I think that this is a really nice pickup for Florida. Yeah, I, I, we we talked about it uh, when you and I were chatting yesterday. And is he worth four point nine million a year? No, he's not. But I said if he's uh, available at half that price, uh, he would be um, a, a nice pickup. And and. Uh, uh, the Panthers signed him for 2.25 a season. Um, just because um, Mark Bergevin wasn't busy, it doesn't mean that uh, other teams were not. And we didn't see the really big names go off the board. But according to uh, our dear friends at Cap Friendly, um, day one, uh, there were 78 uh, signings, 134 contract years, and a value of uh, $300 million in in contract dollars. Uh, So it was a a busy day elsewhere. Yeah. Um, And uh, what what I remember a few weeks ago uh, saying we were predicting uh, a lot of movement in, in, uh, in goaltending, and I said at the time, you know what? Uh, as many as ten goaltenders can be switching teams, or maybe a dozen, and and uh, uh, I think that the list is at thirteen and counting. Yeah, and I mean, you look at the goaltenders that have signed different contracts, but you also have the goaltenders that have been traded. Be it, I mean, Jake Allen, obviously mm-hmm. that happened with Montreal, but you had Devin Dubnik who was traded to the Sharks. You had Matt Murray who was traded to Ottawa on draft. On, a, on draft was at night one of the draft, I believe, was it? Or no, it was day two day because two. it was the it was day two, right? Because it was the fifty second overall pick. Uh, but yes, and then he signed a lucrative contract with the Ottawa Senators and uh, the Ottawa Senators of note trying to get up to the cap floor. So maybe that might have been a reason why he was given the money. But he also has two Stanley Cup rings around his fingers, so maybe he uh, has earned uh, the right to uh, that type of a contract. But yeah, it has been crazy uh brayden holtby a guy that you associate with the washington capitals and only the washington capitals going from washington to vancouver and when i say a guy that you associate with only one team is there a guy that you associate more with one team than henrik lundquist going from the new york rangers to another metropolitan division team that's going to be really weird he's going to washington yeah that's going to be very odd and and uh you know 
Corey Crawford to New Jersey. Um, all of yep. these are. It's it's going to be really tough for their fan base uh, to see these guys in 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 different sweaters. And Thomas, uh, this one a bit to uh, a lesser one, but Thomas Grice going to uh, the Detroit Red Wings earlier today as well. So I mean, they're they're just continuing. You've seen the goaltender market that has been as uh, as crazy as we thought it was going to be. It has certainly lived up to what we thought it would be. And the Rangers uh, getting in, they lost Lundqvist, and so yep. they're right in the the free agent market signing Keith Kincaid. Keith Kincaid, our <laughs> old friend Keith, yeah. making the. <laughs> but yeah, it has been a been a crazy free agent market, and um, obviously uh, a little less money than you see typically spent on day one of free agency. But that is expected, given that this is a flat cap world and and all of the uncertainty going forward. Uh, but still, a crazy day. And speaking of money, um, just an update on the on the Canadians and uh, Cap Friendly says that they have about three point nine million dollars in cap space remaining now that's if they go right to the 81.5 and Mark Bergevin has stressed a number of times that they won't be spending right to the cap he's going to hold about two million dollars back uh, for flexibility and for injuries and whatnot Uh, so uh, you know two million dollars left and and will they sign Houdon who will take a part of that Uh, you know unless uh, the Canadians move money um, it's unlikely that they're going to be, um, um, you know, making any any kind of other uh, splashy de- or other kind of deals. The other yeah. piece of information that I thought is interesting is their roster size. They have 21 of uh, 23 on the roster size and their contracts. Remember, there is a limit of 50 contracts. Uh, the Canadians right now, uh, well, as of as of last night when I checked, uh, have the fewest number of available contracts in the league. Uh, they have signed 45 of 50 players uh, on contract, uh, so just five contracts left. And you know that Bergevin also wants to keep a couple of contracts uh, open uh, through the season uh, in, in case of, of injury replacements and whatnot for flexibility. Yeah, and it's always always good to have flexibility in both with both the cap and with uh, the rosters as well. So that's something uh, definitely to keep track of. And uh, yeah, as we say, it's it's only I say it's been a crazy day, but I mean this is ongoing. This is still going right now. And I think uh, there was a Tyson Berry contract that just broke in Edmonton. So I mean, like this is ongoing as we're doing this podcast, and we'll be uh, for you know as as you'd expect with free agency weeks. You could you could this could expand for a very long period of time so uh this will be something to monitor going forward but rick we'll get into the draft and as i said uh you and amy johnson did a pre-draft and post-draft episode of the press zone which uh you're definitely going to want to check that out but um we'll give our thoughts here because we go back to last week and we each provided three players who we thought the montreal canadians might target with that 16th overall pick um, the three that I uh, suggested were Dylan Holloway, Dawson Mercer, and Connor Zary. Uh, Dylan Holloway, uh, surprisingly to me, uh, went before Montreal selected. He went 14 to Edmonton, which uh, I, I was quite surprised by that. I thought that he was he would be one of the ones that maybe slipped a little bit because, as we talked about, scouts were a little bit split on, on Dylan mm-hmm. Holloway. So that one was a little bit surprising to me. Uh, you had Mercer and Zary go. Uh, Mercer went 18, Zary went 24. 
and Rick, the three that you selected, you did a little bit, you were a little bit, uh, you had two prospects go before Montreal selected. So you were a little bit more on it than I was. <laughs> well, it's, I thought it was uh, very interesting that, um, you know, we were, we were certainly, our, our task was to, to choose uh, prospects that would be available around uh, the number 16 yeah. pick. And we did pretty well with Seth, Jar- Seth Jarvis going, uh, uh, Seth Jarvis from Portland in WHL going uh, number 13. Uh, then your Dylan Holloway at 14, my Amirov at 15. Yeah. Um, then uh, Dawson Mercer at, at 18, and, and Braden Schneider for me at, at 19. So uh, we were all around that uh, that uh, uh, number 16 pick. And, um, you know, I had a, a, a bit of information that the Canadians were, were considering a, uh, a defenseman um, at the number 16 slot. I just picked the wrong defenseman. I, I, yeah. I preferred, I valued uh, Braden Schneier a little higher than Caden Gooley, uh, but the Canadians disagree with me. And you know what? They, they have a whole lot more information uh, than I do, so uh, I have no uh, uh, quibbles with that. Yeah, so... This is going to be, um, we're going to give our thoughts on any, and you touched on it there with, with Caden Gooley, who they selected with the 16th overall pick in the first round out of Prince Albert. I mean, Caden Gooley to me, I think is a very intriguing prospect. Um, obviously the size, the way that he plays, the sort of tenacity that he plays with, I think that would lead you to be intrigued by what Caden Gooley might be able to become. He's six two, but he also is a, is a really good skater as well. He's a good skater with good mobility. Um, but the thing that I was a little bit surprised by, because as you said, we were trying to figure out who would be available at that number 16 spot. I, I sort of had an idea of who would be available based on, I didn't know what order the first 15 picks were going to fall in, but I sort of had an idea of who was going to be there, who was going to be selected in those first 15 picks. Um, I have to say, I was surprised by Holloway. I was also a little bit surprised by Amirov going 15, uh, but I digress. Um, I had an idea of who was going uh, within those fif- first 15 picks. So at number 16, I selected three forwards to talk about last week because I thought that the Montreal Canadiens would sort of have to go out of their way to select a defenseman with this pick because the best players available, I truly believed, at this point in the draft were going to be forwards. And and I believe that to be true. And you touched on that on, on the press zone after mm-hmm. in the post episode where you were talking about how this was we get into this part of the draft and it's the forwards that were talked about the most and i looked at dawson mercer and i looked at uh, dylan holloway and, and i thought that those would be the direction that would be the direction the montreal canadians go ultimately they go with a defenseman and i don't have any issue with them going with a defenseman i don't have i like the listen caden gooley's got a lot uh, to work with there and uh, you talked about maybe the hockey sense being a little bit not quite where you'd like it to be but the reason why I thought they would go with a forward in addition to them being in an area where I thought the forwards were the best available players was because if you go back to last year after they select Cole Caulfield 15th overall other than selecting a random goalie <laughs> they selected left shot defensemen exclusively all over the place in yeah. that draft in the sec- on day two of the draft last year Jaden Struble, Matthias Norlander, Johnny Fairbrother go down the list right they selected left shot defensemen exclusively on day two except for the goaltender so I thought that this was going to be a, a time where you see the Montreal Canadiens choose a forward a 
bigger forward, and that didn't happen. But listen, I've got no, as you said, no quibbles with with Caden Gooley, and I think that there's a lot to like about Caden Gooley. There is. Uh, you set that up kind of nicely for me because, uh, yes, this was a forward-heavy draft, uh, particularly in the middle. Uh, there was all kinds of choices for the, the Canadians to make. Uh, we can't help. We just can't help looking back. Um, if the Canadians had had not beat the Pittsburgh Penguins and had retained <laughs> the number nine spot, having yeah. your choice of Marco Rossi or Cole Perfetti, my goodness, oh. um, that would have been that would have been terrific. But the Canadians, uh, you know, they got uh, uh, playoff uh, experience and and answered some of the questions about uh, their young players and their center positions. So that alone was valuable. But with all of those, as, as it, you know, again, hearing that, that they had some interest in a, in a defenseman for their pick, uh, I looked at all those left defensemen for last year. Braden Schneider's a right defenseman. Yeah. So, uh, again, uh, for, for a couple of reasons, given that, that he's a right-handed shot, but also um, that we know that, that uh, uh, Trevor Timmons values uh, hockey sense. And hockey sense is one of the the uh, biggest characteristics, uh, best characteristics for Schneider, uh, and is a big question mark for Gooley. Um, but we're told that that Mark Bergevin was much more involved. He was was in on every one of the prospect meetings, every one of the draft meetings, and he just uh, loved Caden Gooley. Uh, and and why not? He's 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 big and he's mean. Um, he plays physical. Um, you know, he he makes mistakes at times. He's uh, his decision making has been questioned, and uh, and and those are things that uh, he certainly is going to have to work on. Yeah, and I mean, this is the point, uh, and we'll be getting to this when we talk about all these prospects. There's always something to work on because at 18, I mean, mm-hmm. you are not the same person at 18 that you are at 23 or 20, 22, 23, right? So there's going to be a maturation process in in multiple areas, not just playing the game. So, um, but yeah, that's that's what they say about drafting 18 year olds. It's an inexact science. And and listen, Caden Gooley, I think there's a lot of tools there. I talked about liking Dylan Holloway because he's got tools. I think that Caden Gooley for a defenseman, there's a lot of tools there. He just needs. Yeah. To, to figure out the, the mental side of the game. But moving on to well, talking about playing. Well, let's just play a little yeah. bit of video, uh, audio yeah. from, right, uh, right, right. from Caden before we, we move, yeah. move forward. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Bonjour, Montreal. I'm a very physical, um, very good skating two-way defenseman. Um, I like to uh, be hard on, on other teams' best players. Um, I like to, uh, to make a good first pass, um, jump into the rush, use my skating to my advantage. Um, Definitely, uh, definitely like to be very physical on the ice. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd say a very good two-way defenseman, um, very physical, very, very good skating player. Nowadays, with with the game, um, you need to be able to skate to skate to play, and I think that's my my biggest attribute is my skating. So, um, I think uh, if I ever get to the NHL, and um, I think my my skating and my my play will um, will work well with with uh, the modern NHL. The things I like to take out of players' games, like Shea Weber. Um, he, he's got a mean streak to his game. He, he's gritty. So, um, I like to take that from his game and, um, you know, I like to take skating from, from lots of other people. So, um, I like to, I like to look up to players more now. I think that's, uh, that's something that I kind of took is, um, now I look up to players a lot more now and kind of look to see what, what they do well and what I could put into my game. 
Um, yeah, I think I, my, my decision-making under pressure um, can get a little bit better at times. I think uh, there's some times where I'm just throwing the puck away. Um, I obviously think that can get a lot better. Um, I think uh, my offensive side of my game can also improve. That's what I've been working on a lot this summer, um, trying to improve. So um, those two those two things. I know in the NHL you, you have even less time than you do now, and um, the game gets so much quicker, so your decision-making has to be so much faster, and you know, you got to know what you're going to do with the puck before you even get it. So um, that's uh, that's a big thing that I, I've also been working on this summer too. Is, is uh, that also? I, I should say that the uh, all of those sounds you heard in the background are not from Joe and I. Uh, those <laughs> that, those come with uh, the tape from and and uh, in the, uh, the Gooley family. Um, one of the things I liked uh, about the way he spoke is uh, he, he was asked about what he needs to improve on. And his self-awareness is is yeah. uh, exceptional. He nailed the kinds of things that uh, he needs to work on. Uh, you know, his decision making. He he he's been accused of throwing the puck away, and he knows it. it obviously, uh, this is a very coachable player, um, and uh, and and has been listening to uh, to his coaches. And the one thing, and Sam Cosentino said this during the broadcast, your friend Sam Cosentino, who's been on Sam. an episode yeah. of, of the press, it was then the press box, yeah, the press zone. Uh, the line that I loved uh, and, and made me really like this guy was he's as serious as a heart attack. And <laughs> listen, when you get a player with that type of demeanor, a young player with that type of demeanor coming in, you know that you're going to get somebody that has his eyes set where they should be on development. And and Caden Gooley does sound uh, very self-aware, as you pointed out. So that's that's a that's a good thing uh, for the Montreal Canadiens going forward. Um, the one thing that you could say about Caden Gooley is he's he's big and mean. Uh, yeah, you could probably say that about the Montreal Canadiens' uh, first pick of the second round. Uh, Luke Tuck, and that name might sound familiar. He's got an older brother named Alex that plays in Las Vegas, and the Canadians selected him with the 47th overall pick, six foot two, big body presence. And this is the type of thing that I pointed out of the, that I wanted the Montreal Canadiens to go after in the first round. Um, maybe, yeah, you're not getting as much skill as the guys, the three guys that I pointed out in the first round. But right here with Luke Tuck, you're getting that big body presence, and he's got some lineage there. He's got, as I said, older brother Alex uh, to look up to playing in Las Vegas. So I, I really like this pick. I've got to be honest. Um, I, I think that this is something that when you have the two back-to-back picks like the Montreal Canadiens did, they used the first one, I think, on what's safe to say, a little bit of a reach maybe a little bit more raw, maybe not all sort of there as, as you would like to be. But when you have that protection to, to take the guy that we're going to talk about in a little bit as well with the 48th pick, you can you can take a bit of a gamble, I think, on that number 47 pick. And they and they did that with Luke Tuck, I think. And I think this is this, this one might be that one that pays off. Yeah, this uh, this pick was um, by many of the the agencies that I trust was well down into the the Luke was was well down into the third or fourth round, uh, but we heard Trevor Timmons talk about this. Um, you know, we I've I've mentioned many times about uh, a general manager building his team as a bit of a puzzle. You want to include different elements, uh, and and uh, Trevor Timmons uh, spoke uh, very eloquently about the same thing has to happen in your prospect pool. You have to have different types of skills and different kinds of players, and you look at. Uh, you know the 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 ratings on on a Luke Tuck, and you see, you know, a really kind of average hockey sense. Not much skill there. His compete level is questioned. 
um, skating. Hmm, we don't know. Um, and and that his his uh, aggressiveness is uh, physicality is comes and goes. Uh, but it's the size and and when he's on that tenacious that that mean spirited, uh, the kind of thing and and uh, uh, it was it was pretty clear that that Trevor Timmons said we don't have a player like this in our prospect pool and we need yeah. to add one um, and uh, so yes uh, maybe a bit of a reach uh, yes there's there's a, a bit more uh, uncertainty with with him. Uh, but having a couple of, uh, actually having three second round picks, one was traded, um, the, the Canadians could afford to take a player like this. I should also say that uh, that yeah. um, that you mentioned uh, that he has a, an older brother. That's that's common with the first two picks, Gouli as well. And Trevor Timmons spoke about that. Um, he spoke about how... Uh, the second brother is oftenly, often very feisty and very competitive, uh, and that that uh, NHL bloodline uh, is something that is attractive for them to have. Yeah, and, and I just want to point out too something that uh, that I thought was interesting was, and, and you mentioned Trevor Timmons talking about not having a piece like this. Uh, John Lou tweeted out that that Trevor Timmons had said that there were clubs that were calling to try to trade for pick 47 mm-hmm. with the intention of picking Luke Tuck which if other teams are interested I mean there may be a reason for that there may be something that has happened recently that that piqued their interest maybe but regardless you get Luke Tuck at number 47 and I think you're right he does bring an element that may not might not have been there but we also heard from Luke Tuck himself yeah I think last year I focused on my size a lot um, I'm 6'2 and I think I played that big power forward game and I think I have that physical and competitive edge to my game. Yeah, Alex was a, a great mentor for me growing up. Uh, he's about six years older than me, but um, we were really close growing up. So whether it was playing video games or street hockey or uh, in the backyard uh, playing hockey, Alex and I were really competitive growing up. And I think that is what really built my competitive spirit in hockey and, um, and other activities. So he was a great mentor and he's a great brother. And I'm really lucky to have him as a brother. Yeah, I think uh, Alex and I have similar uh, games in the power forward sense, but um, I say our personalities are completely completely different on the ice. Um, I'd say I have more of that um, that physical edge to my game, and he's more the, of a um, straight up and down the the ice. So um, Alex is really fast, and he's a heavy shot, and I think I bring a lot of that game too. Yeah, again, as I said, I think uh, I play that power forward game, and I play a mean game, and. Um, I think I'm really good in front of the net and in close situations, and I think I also have a heavy shot. So um, I think Montreal picked me because they trust my abilities, and um, I think I can complement their players really well. I think I play play like uh, Jamie Benn, that physical power forward with uh, that heavy shot, and um, I think my mentality going into games is like a Matthew Kachuk. So um, I like to get in players' faces, and I like to mix it up a little bit. Now, we were complimenting the, the previous pick, Caden Gooley, on uh, realistic self-awareness. This side, you see someone who has more lofty goals uh, comparing yeah. himself yeah. To, to both Jamie Benn and Matthew Kachuk. <laughs> uh, all right. All right. 
Yeah. Hey, listen, uh, I mean, you have to set your, your goals high and, uh, listen, if, if that's the type of players that he's going to bring up, then, uh, then he's gotta, he's gotta live up to it. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think having an older brother in the league might help him out a little bit there too. Uh, but regardless, uh, Rick, I think we look at this pick as maybe being a little bit more of a reach, but the reason why I think you can select, you can make that pick is you sort of have, Who's viewed at uh, someone who's viewed as being more of a sure bet, um, or at least somebody that was projected to go much higher than where he actually mm-hmm. went at 48. Uh, someone that uh, I think Bob McKenzie had him at 34. There were some scouts that had him going in the first round, even right. uh, Jan Meshack uh, playing from uh, in Hamilton in the OHL. Um, somebody that is a little bit small. He's, he's much smaller than the two guys that we've already talked about, but he's got that quickness. He's got that that ability, that skill that you really like to see. Um, I mean, I think that the compete level of this guy as well. There's a lot to like about Jan Mishak, and I think that him being available at 48 is the reason why you can take a gamble maybe on, on Luke Tuck at 47. Right. Uh, this I really like this pick, and, and as you said, uh, a lot of the uh, scouts and and uh, ranking services had uh, this pick much higher. Hockey Prospects had him at in the first round at 26. Um, this is a guy with speed, with talent, but also um, an incredible work ethic and tons of energy. Uh, and here's a guy who, you know, he he was in the Czech League, uh, and he split. It turned out splitting the year, uh, and and then decided to uh, go to the OHL with the Hamilton Bulldogs. And Trevor Timmons said, you know, uh, their association with Michael Landauer. Uh, owner of the team get, helped give them uh, a, a little bit of a heads up and inside information on on Jan Misak and and uh, this this guy is uh, he's an exciting second pick second round pick. Yeah, I I agree completely with that. And this was somebody as I was watching the second round unfold, I was like, is he going to fall to Montreal at forty seven, forty eight? I I really I was not expecting him to be available at that spot. So the fact that you walk away with him, I think that this could be uh, maybe the steal of the draft for the Montreal Canadiens with forty eight, uh, getting a guy like Jan Mishak who was looked at in that way. Um, uh, this this might be a very good pick for the Montreal Canadiens going forward. And uh, as we have done with Caden uh, Gooley and Luke Tuck, we also have some audio from Jan Mishak. At first, you know, my like goal when I was younger, it was to be like first rounder or uh, be in the draft. So uh, maybe I was like, had little thoughts, what's going to happen next after the first round. But uh, I was cool with my family and parents, uh, my brother, they, they supported me. And uh, I believe that uh, what's happened, it's going to be like uh, the, the, the really good thing. And uh, I'm so glad that Montreal drafted me. And uh, right now, uh, I'll do my best for sure. Uh, it was a like, tough decision because uh, I played my whole life uh, home in Litvinov. And uh, after World Juniors, I decided to go to the Hamilton. And uh, I think it was the best decision I've ever made. But one time I play, played against him in Czech League Thomas uh, when he played against, uh, with Bruno. So uh, it was a big experience for me because I played a centerman and I played a, the face-offs against him. So uh, he's really good at face-offs. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I see uh, for a lot of Czech hockey kids, uh, he's a like true idol. And uh, he's, uh, he has a lot of NHL games. So uh, yeah, at first uh, I played during my 
hockey career, everything, a left wing, a right wing, and center man. So at first, I don't really care. Uh, I can play everything. Um, but the second thing is uh, I'm a good offensive player. I can score a goal. I can make a play. Uh, of course, uh, I can find my uh, teammates somewhere. Uh, so that's me. I also see a lot of things to improve, like defensive zone coverage, uh, battles, and uh, I, I know that, that I have to be more stronger. So that there is a lot of things. A really smart kid, and um, yeah. and um, you know he said he's listed as a center, but uh, he said he's comfortable at any of the forward positions. And Trevor Timmons said uh, he's likely uh, going to fit in uh, in the organization as a wing, as a winger. Um, but uh, you know they he was talking about uh, meeting Thomas Pocanitz there and and uh, having the opportunity to face him in the uh, his you know one of the country's uh, legends in the faceoff circle and and the un- understatement there that uh, yeah you know, Placanitz is pretty good at the face in the faceoff <laughs> circle yeah I think you'd get a, a little bit higher praise against the guys that he played against in the NHL but but regardless I mean listen there's a lot to like there and I think that you love the fact. Because you're, I think, as, as a general manager, I think in any sport, you're always looking for versatility. That is one thing that you are always looking for. And a guy that's willing to do whatever it takes to win, play whatever position it is that, that's necessary for your team to find success. And, I mean, with Meshack, you get a guy who is comfortable playing the wing or center. And, I mean, if you get a guy, I mean, listen, in, in the modern-day NHL, right, you want to be able to sort of fix your lines as as need be and so i mean going forward to have a guy that has that type of versatility can go into the face-off circle and win a draw for you if he gets if your centerman gets thrown out you know anything like that you know it's great to have that and, and as, as you said a very smart guy but also a self-aware guy too talking about you need to get stronger defensive awareness exactly those are the things that you need to work on so uh, but as i said I, I like this at the number 48 for the montreal canadians um and then, so the Montreal Canadiens did not have their third round pick. They traded that in the Max Domi deal. So they didn't uh, have a third round pick, but they had three fourth round picks. And they started off with 102, selecting uh, Jack Smith, who is a center. Um, and he's a he's a solid two-way forward, two-way guy. And then they also, at 109, uh, picked Blake Biondi. And these are two guys that are both from Minnesota, the Minnesota area. So uh, this is, yeah. Both playing in the, the Minnesota high school system, and uh, Jack Smith will be playing. He's he's listed with uh, Sioux Falls in some of the draft reports, but he hasn't played a game for them yet. Uh, but Jack Smith at uh, St. Cloud Cathedral and uh, Blake Biondi at Hermantown, again, both in the, the Minnesota high school system. Both are centers. Um, handy, though, that uh, um, Blake Biondi is a right-handed center, Jack Smith is a left-handed center, and uh, 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 both are uh, committed to uh, uh, UMD, University of Minnesota Duluth, playing NCAA hockey. Blake Biondi will probably go there uh, a year ahead of, uh, of Jack Smith. Uh, both long-term projects, but uh, yeah. given the way, uh, and we'll be talking about that in just a second, how uh, the time that these prospects have uh, in the, the U.S. system uh, they'll have a lot of time for the Canadians to uh, have a look at them before they have to commit to them. One interesting thing um, we we know and we talked about, I believe it was on on the press box. There's been so many podcasts. I think it was yeah. on the the, pre, the, the press zone, press zone. Uh, this week. Um, how the top 55 
uh, draft prospects got boxes of hats, uh, 31 hats for each of the top 55 prospects. Um, now, when you're getting down to uh, the fourth round, uh, these guys don't have hats. Yeah. However, Blake Biondi um, had a hat on. Actually, it's very similar to the hat that I'm wearing yeah. today. Um, and uh, he was asked, um, you, you, you're a Canadians fan? You, you, you had a Canadians um, hat hanging around? And he said that his hockey mom had gone out and purchased 23 hats for him. Uh, couldn't get all 31, but just so happened, uh, he was hoping he wasn't going to be taken by one of those eight teams that he didn't have hats for. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, his, uh, his mom went out and uh, purchased 23 hats. One of them was the Canadian's hat, and he was able to plop it on his head uh, during the uh, media interactions uh, with, uh, with the Canadian's media. And he was asked, what are you going to do with the, the rest of the hats? And he said, well, you know, my mom will take them back, return yeah. them. As you, That's a big yeah. outlay of money at 30 bucks a hat. Uh, so uh, I, th- I thought that was a, a fascinating story of the draft. Yeah, a, mo- a mother knows. So I think she knew that tw- one of those 22 <laughs> teams was going <laughs> to select. So, uh, yeah, that was a great story to, as, as well that uh, that unfolded on draft day. But uh, moving on to their 124th pick uh, for the Montreal Canadiens, which is uh, Sean Farrell, who is a center uh, from Chicago. And um, I, listen, uh, Adnan Verk on the uh, on the NHL Network broadcast said that his favorite player was Brad Marchand. And you said on the latest press zone that Trevor Timmons views him as a Brendan Gallagher type. So I think you're ticking some boxes there that might make him an effective NHL player a little bit diminutive uh, like those two guys. But the compete level on this guy is something that that people have been raving about. This this uh, has been labeled as a as a steal uh, by many of the the uh, the journalists. And um, it's just and because Cole Caulfield. Uh, and Cole Caulfield exactly uh, <laughs> tweeted that it was a, a steal. Um, and he's just a guy that everybody seems to like. Uh, there's a question of, of is he you know going to be a great junior player and will his will he be able to translate given his his size? But uh, given that he has the energy and a motor and and desire and and work ethic, uh, you know, don't count him out just yet. Uh, as as even Trevor Timmons said, uh, you know, he has the personality of a Brendan Gallagher. Yeah. And these are the guys I love getting into day two of the draft and you get to these guys that just have that work ethic, that 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 motor. And, uh, you know, you get to the smaller guys who, you know, have been counted out for a lot of their, you know, playing hockey. You know, they they look they're looked at as being, you know, uh, they're not not quite the uh, the six foot two guys that we've been talking about for the most part of this draft. So you get a guy that's five foot nine. But if he has that edge to him, like a Brendan Gallagher or like his favorite player, Brad Marchand. I think you're going to take that. Uh, so that's definitely, I think, uh, somebody that uh, that is going to be somebody to watch going forward. Uh, but after that pick, uh, the Montreal Canadiens, they had the 136th pick as well, uh, and they used that uh, to select a goaltender, uh, Jakob Dobis. And this is somebody at the, as you touched on in the press zone, uh, at the uh, the suggestion of Vincent Riondo. Uh, Vinny Riondo is a great person and and uh and and a, a great knowledge and he loves to scout europe not only for goaltenders but uh for uh, all prospects but particularly goaltenders as you might understand 
And uh, at this level, you're you're. This is a goaltender, and goaltenders in their development are you know a uh, uh, a year or two behind uh, other prospects. So it's difficult. It's very difficult to predict their success. But why Riondo likes this guy is um, is he is very athletic. Uh, they like his size, 6'4", 200 pounds. Uh, and they like that, you know, he's a, a Czech goaltender who uh, came over and is committed to uh, to Omaha. Uh, and it took him a while to to kind of get uh, get used to uh, the the North American style. Things come at you from different angles Uh and uh, it's uh, the, the the bigger ice or the smaller ice surface changes things for goaltenders, not only for players coming over. This is a guy who's uh, committed to the NCAA system, going to uh, Ohio State University, and so uh, a nice prospect to have in your pool because uh, you never know how these goaltenders are going to work out. Exactly, and I think you know it's wise to try to cover all your bases during a draft. So the Canadians drafted uh, four centermen, uh, including Mishak, who sees himself as being a little bit more versatile. Um, you got Caden Gooley with your first pick. You got some wingers in there, so you might as well pick a goaltender and one that I mean, as you said, Vinny Rondo, which was very high on. So mm-hmm. might as well give it a go. Uh, and then their last pick, the 171st, Alexander Gordin, is a right winger uh, playing in Russia. Um, and they selected him, as I said, 171st. He's been a, a top goal scorer in the MHL. So, I mean, this might be somebody that you look at as, uh, you know, you, you sort of throw a pick at him and see exactly what he turns into. Uh, but listen, goal scoring ability, you can never go to, it can, it can take you places, that goal scoring ability. So we'll see with uh, Gordine. 39 goals in 59 games uh, in 2019-20 in the Russian Junior League, uh, the BHL, as you said. Um, This is a guy who has tons of skill. Um, He has good size, and um, he he likes to score goals. Uh, The knocks on him are that he... he essentially tends to be a bit of a solo show, a one-man band. Uh, he's yeah. got to he's got to learn how to use his his uh, teammates more. Uh, but all that offensive production can't be ignored and and uh, worthy of a a, a sixth-round pick. Yeah, might as well take a flyer. So, uh, but yeah. So after all of this, right? So the Montreal Canadiens they go through this draft and. This is a very different process than in previous years. Um, so it's it's not been a very, I can't imagine it's been all that easy. And certainly with the fact, and, and you touched on this, with it, they didn't draft many guys from the CHL uh, with, with some uncertainty with, with how many games they're going to be getting and, and what that's all going to look like going forward. Uh, so with that, the Canadians did not draft any prospects from the QMJHL which um, is a big deal, right? Uh, you have people questioning whether or not there's a bias against selecting homegrown guys from the QMJHL. And this is something that uh, Trevor Timmons uh, had to touch on this week. This is, uh, this is ugly. Uh, yeah. I'll, be, I'll be frank. This is very ugly. Um, do the, the Montreal, did the Canadians have a bias uh, this year? Yes, they did. Uh, and it was a bias against the CHL. And, and the reason, uh, you know, we talked about Jan Mishak, a Czech player, uh, but played part of the season in Hamilton, uh, Caden Gooley, uh, uh, Prince Albert in the WHL. Uh, but beyond that, and, and those guys are, are, are well scouted. They're, they're in the first couple of rounds. Uh, but beyond that, 
Um, it's uh, these the players that you're are scouting are obviously a more risk. They have more more issues, and you may need more time to scout them. And uh, particularly when uh, the the we don't know what's going to happen with the CHL, as far as the number of games that the prospects are going to be playing, you ha- you already have a short window, just two years to sign them, and it's a disparity. It's it's one that the Canadians and other teams have talked about. We've talked about it on the press zone. Um, the Canadian hockey the teams, if if you select a, a player from the Canadian Hockey League, that being the WHL, the OHL, the QMJHL, you have two years to sign them to a contract. That's not the way when uh, you're looking at U.S. players. It's not the way when you're looking at European players. So uh, the Canadians in this pandemic uh, made a decision, made and and their picks reflected it. They did not exclude players purposely from the queue. They did not exclude Quebecois. They did not exclude uh, francophone players. They they preferred players uh, from uh, the States and from Europe because of that much larger window to be able to uh, evaluate them. They took five from the U.S. and, and the, the Russian, as you, as you mentioned. Um, but you know, uh, sadly, really sadly, some of the commentators had to turn this into a, a political issue, had to turn this into a language issue, uh, as they typically do. And um, one in particular uh, just mashed the, uh, the data uh, in a really disingenuous way uh, to, to put the Canadians in a bad light, wrote an article about it, and then others kind of piled on. Uh, I should say, um, I always look to Francois Gagnon as kind of the voice of reason in that. And if if you want a, a good perspective uh, from the French side, uh, from the Francophone side on this whole issue, read Francois Gagnon's column in RDS. I think he has a very reasoned approach, uh, a very common sense approach. Um, the, the the guy that's, that's that caused all the controversy, I'll just impart this story. Uh, and it was when um, we were covering the, um, uh, the ice caps and uh, they were in uh, uh, Toronto, in Rico uh, for a game against the Marlies. And all season long, I just in passing, passing, it was in a, a social situation where we were um, having beverages and, and we, we got, uh, we talked to the coaches and I mentioned that I had a, a program for when I was in, in Winnipeg, and it was when the Montreal Canadiens came to town. It was the Winnipeg Jets uh, versus uh, the Montreal Canadiens, the 1989 season. And on the roster were um, uh, both Sylvain Lefebvre and Donald Dufresne on the Montreal Canadiens roster, and I still had the program at home. After I mentioned that, Every every time we'd do a scrum, and then after it was over, uh, Sly would say, "Hey, did you bring that program in?" So it was near the <laughs> the end of the season, I, and I felt funny about it because that's more of a fan thing, right? And you're trying yeah, to be a journalist, yeah. and he was he was insistent on it. So I finally uh, and. And the other part of it is being on the road for so so long. I didn't have access to it, so it took me a time to get to get yeah. it. I'll show it to you here uh, in the studio. Just yeah. by happenstance, it has Dale Howarchuk on it. And, oh wow! Uh, yeah, and if you if you uh, flip to the the center section, it has the rosters for the Winnipeg Jets and the Montreal Canadiens. 
Um, and number three, Sylvain Lefebvre. Number 34, Donald Dufresne. I showed, I gave them to it, and I gave them the the, the uh, uh, magazine, and they were going through the list of names, and and uh, <laughs> uh, were were amused, and and had stories for each of the guys. Uh, and then they grabbed a pen and they both signed it without me asking because I, yeah. I certainly wouldn't do anything like that. I, in the press box, I had uh, this on the, the table and one of the French reporters came in. I won't use his name. Um, and he's the one that wrote this this vile article. He grabbed my magazine. And he said, we got here. And so I told him the story and he looked on the back page and, he, and there's a, a roster on the back page. And he very pointedly counted. And a little bit, he was hammering the, the magazine a little bit too vigorously for my liking. Yeah. Because it is a keepsake. Uh, and he was, he was counting out all of the Francophone players. And he said, that's why they were successful. And I mean, he's picking out players like uh, number 45, Jocelyn Lemieux. Um, you know, mm-hmm. the, Stefan Richer yeah. was on the team, and and uh, of course, uh, yeah. Shane Corson. Uh, so there's both Frank Press Cardinal. There was Francophone and non-Francophone, but he made yeah. was making the point that it was the Francophones that led to the success, and the lack of Francophones in in the lineup uh, currently was the reason that the Canadians weren't having uh, any success. He obviously has has a, a bone to pick. And it just really turned the whole conversation ugly this week. And it put the Canadians in a defensive position. It put Trevor Timmons in a very uh, defensive position when, um, you know, they, they, they certainly uh, have gone out of their way in the past to, to select players from the queue. Yeah, and they've they've done it when there were certainly um, options that you might have rathered them select, and you pointed out Louis LeBlanc as being one of those, and Chris Kreider goes just a few a few slots later. So I mean, listen, it's honestly listen when you get into this, you draft the guys that you value, and they valued Caden Gooley, they valued Luke Tuck, they valued listen, you select the guys that you value. Whether or not, I mean, best player available, that's that's a little bit subjective. Listen, we can argue, we can quibble about who might have been the best, the better player that's available when they, when they go to select. But whoever you value as an organization, that is who you should select. And that's what they did. And uh, Trevor Timmons was talking about just how how much it, it offends him when, 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 when people say that they go out of their way not to select players from the queue or francophones. You know, I think we... Uh we're able to draft a lot of target players and uh, add to our stable of prospects and our, our cupboard based on a lot of different positions, different types of players. Um, I think we added some, some size, some strength, some goal scoring, um, people that are hard to play against. And the main thing is that we got players also that we have more control of when they become pros, um, i.e. The, tier, the high school players or the uh, USHL players. You know, obviously, they're going to uh, NCAA, so that's at least uh, four more years of development for them. You can skew all the data to come up with a story any way you want it. You want it. Derive it, but that, okay? that that's not skewed. So, no, Those listen, are facts, though, listen, right? Listen, listen. Yeah. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this. You know, I take it personally. I am extremely disappointed, you know, after a draft when we haven't drafted a, a Quebec League player. You can ask Mark Bergevin. You can ask any one of our scouts. 
It really hurts me, okay, and it bothers me. And I can sh- and assure you, our staff and myself have no bias against players in the queue. I mean, we like good players no matter where they come from. Would we prefer them to come from the queue? Darn right. Would we prefer them to be uh, Quebecois? Absolutely. Absolutely. My wife's last name is Poirier. Okay? I mean, and this bothers me. I take it personally. This uh, really got under his skin this time because he's gone out of his way. And he said uh, very clearly that uh, there have been years where, um, you know, just, you know, with with, uh, some of the, the... the complaint was that they traded their seventh round pick, and it was Mark Bergevin that traded it. And we know Mark Bergevin likes to trade picks, but it was he <laughs> that traded the pick, not Trevor Timmons. Trevor Timmons has got a guy ready to go. Uh, traded the seventh round pick to Chicago, and the and Chicago ended up picking a guy from the queue. So the question was, just pick anybody, just pick a guy to have the queue, uh, someone represented from the queue. And yeah. And um, listen, uh, Trevor Timmons said, we have done that many, many times, and it's never worked out uh, just to please people. They have, uh, even when they haven't, uh, when they've bypassed guys from the queue, they filled their development camp with all of those uh, undrafted players from the queue. And and it, it the, the development camp, I've been to a, a number of different teams, and the, the Canadians' development camp is always cumbersome, and you have too many players there because they try to uh, please uh, the journalists and you can hear in his emotion his emotion in his voice uh, that you know they his job is to select the, the the best player from wherever and this focus this this absolute focus and creating division uh, is wrong it's it's really just wrong yeah and, and we remember back to the training camp and preseason um, when Raphael Harvey Pernard was given basically this entire the spotlight, right? Yeah. To play and given opportunities to play in those preseason games. And, and like that, that's just it. Right. And I mean, he talked about, you know, passing up on, you know, guys like Anthony Beauvillier and, and, and others as well. But Samuel listen, Girard. He, Samuel Girard, who he was going to pick. He was going to pick, and it wasn't his yeah. fault. He didn't have that. Mark Bergevin traded away that second-round pick for Andrew Shaw. He was going to pick Samuel Girard. Yeah, and this is something that general managers, I mean, listen, they're in the age of, of you know, talking about, and it's called tampering. I don't know if it's called tampering in the NHL, but in the NBA, it's called tampering. You don't often hear general managers, executives of any kind, name players that Mm -hmm. they would have drafted, who they have interest in, whatever it might be. He went out of his way to name guys that they had interest in, that they might have drafted. And and, and you said that they were talking about how Noah Juleson's been derailed, but Anthony Beauvillier goes a little bit after that. There have been guys that they have targeted. It just hasn't worked out. They haven't had the opportunity. They either go before, they go after, whatever it is, right? So... This is going to be, um, unfortunately, this is not something that we, this is not the first time we've talked about this. It's not going to be the last time we've talked about this. But And, and I will yeah. say uh, the draft isn't the only way to get uh, players, for homegrown players. And, yes. and Renault Lavoie put out um, Quebecois players uh, in the NHL and the AHL, and the, the Canadians uh, lead the way uh, with, with eight players, then the Lightning, then the Ducks. Uh, so, um, you know, this, this seems like a silly thing to focus on to me. Yeah. Um, but Rick, listen, we've, we've talked about 
the guys that were drafted, the guys that we we talked about last week who we thought might uh, be targets of the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, so we'll take a quick break and when we come back. You quizzed me a couple of weeks back on this podcast and I'm going to re- I'm going to turn the tables on you Uh-oh. here in the third segment. So stay with us. We'll be back after a quick break. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And welcome back to episode 105 of the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website at canadiansconnection.com. Rick, as I said, remember back to when the Seattle Kraken revealed their name? Uh, You quizzed me on teams in major league sports, uh, the big four in North America, that have... A lot that that the name their team name doesn't end with an S. <laughs> that was right. what the quiz was. So this week, and I said then that I would at some point turn the table on you. And this might All not right. be the first. This might not be the only time that I turn the table. There might be. <laughs> there might. There might come a day where I come up with it with another one. But here we go. So several weeks, as I said, you you promised, or I promised you that I would turn the tables on you. And and here we are. So I have a few questions just to summarize Mark Bergervan's work over the past few weeks. Right. We're, we're tight on time, so you're going you're gonna to have to have very short, very brief answers uh, for, for each of these brief, questions. But... Uh, all right. Well, I mean, do your best. All right. <laughs> so are you ready? Uh-huh. Okay, here we go. In the weeks leading up to the draft, Mark Bergervan addressed team needs would you agree that he solved the problem of a first pairing defenseman okay 
So question two, did the GM add a competent backup goaltender? All right, there we go. Was Mark Bergevin successful in trading a disgruntled player? Okay. Did he add a scoring winger with size? Yeah, yeah, that one. That one. I like that one. Uh, question five. And as rumored by some, did Mark uh, did Mark Bergevin acquire Patrick Laine? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's... That was a good one. Uh, continuing with speculation, when free agency opened, did Mark Bergevin sign Taylor Hall? Uh, yeah, that didn't, that didn't really end well. Okay, question seven. And our last question. How would you characterize the Canadians' first day of free agency? Yeah, yeah, that was about right. All right. So listen, that was, I think, a good quiz. Well, I think, um, <laughs> and listen, I think that was right up there with, with our last edition of the quiz. So we'll have to bring, <laughs> bring these back because, uh, yeah, those, those were good answers. Well, we were tight on time, you know. Yeah, we're tight on time. We have to keep it, have to keep it tight. So, uh, Rick, as we said, we, we had a lot to get to today. And, and perhaps in trying to get to everything, we didn't devote as much time as was needed to some of these topics that we will most likely be revisiting at a later date. Mm-hmm. Um, because as, listen, this is ongoing, right? As I said, Tyson Berry signed a contract with Edmonton. As we're doing this podcast, things are happening. And you would, you would, be, uh, you, you would have to think that next week it will be another show similar to this one. Perhaps not in terms of the type of, uh, you know, we don't have the draft and, and the opening of free agency happening and all this all these other things but yeah it's going to be busy for a little bit but we will have to at some point talk in in deep in in depth about some of these things that that we sort of just touched on today (laughs) for sure uh we'll 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 break them down and we'll also um expand on uh the kind of reactions that you've been giving us uh we've been getting emails we've been getting uh texts and our text line our rocket sports text line 5853 rocket 5853 rocket as well as uh, the All Habs uh, Facebook page on uh, on Facebook has been uh, very, uh, very busy, and uh, you've reacted to all the draft picks, you've reacted to the trade, and you've reacted to the lack of activity, uh, which may be yet to come uh, during free agency. So uh, keep those comments coming. We always love hearing from you, and uh, we give you all kinds of different ways to uh, get in touch with us. Absolutely. And, and we want to hear from you, certainly this time of year, because there's a lot to talk about and we want to hear what you think. Um, listen, we said last week who we thought the Montreal Canadiens should draft this week. We evaluated who they did draft. So, yes, give us your thoughts on on all of these things and more as, as this offseason unfolds, because, yeah, this is as we did during the middle of the pandemic when there wasn't. You know, a whole lot going on. Uh, we we fed off of what we what we were talking about on social media and what was being talked about for the Montreal Canadiens on social media and from our, our listeners here on the Canadians Connection podcast. So uh, certainly something that we would we like to hear from going forward as we uh, get deeper and deeper into this off season, this really weird off season um, <laughs> in October, November. Uh, it's weird weird to think that we're in the fall and there's not going to be hockey to talk about, but that that's that's the world we're living in. So speaking. 
Speaking of uh, October, yeah. uh, we have an occasion uh, coming up this weekend. Uh, maybe you've already started. Uh, we just want to say a very happy Thanksgiving uh, yeah. to all of our listeners. All of our listeners on the, the north side of the border, the ones on the south, will get their chance in a month or so. Uh, but uh, have a, a, a great uh, Thanksgiving with, uh, with your family. And uh, we have a lot to be thankful for here at Rocket Sports. Uh, and I'm sure you do, too. Absolutely. So the very best to have a wonderful holiday weekend, long weekend. Great. Just, man, just makes it even better when you have a holiday than you have the long weekend as well. (laughs) But uh, certainly, yes, uh, spend it with your loved ones and uh, and please uh, be responsible. But I don't think that's ever really a concern on Thanksgiving. (laughs) But Rick, we will say goodbye for another week here on the Canadians Connection podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.